0: You need to forgive yourself for what you decided to believe that no longer serves you.
1: Welcome to the Outperform Podcast. My name is Scott Welly. I'm an author, speaker, and the founder of Outperform the Norm, a global movement that helps people achieve peak performance in their personal and professional lives. I've spent my life working with top performers in business as well as athletics. And each week, it's my aim and mission to bring you an inspiring person to share their personal stories and insights, or perhaps it'll be a personal message from me, but with one very simple goal in mind, to help you outperform. Your time is precious, and I want to thank you for spending with me here today, but just one small ask before we get started. If you find value from this podcast, the greatest way that you could possibly thank me would be to head on over to iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be and give it a five-star review. Also share it with somebody that you know that you would like to help outperform so we can all grow this movement together and strive to make the world a healthier, happier, higher-performing place. Once again, thank you for being here, and without further ado, let's get started. Annette Cargioli, welcome to the Outperform Podcast. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, Scott. Thank you. How do you define
1: outperforming in your life, and what does it mean for you to outperform?
0: You know... For me, outperforming means doing my very best. And the way that looks is I constantly, I mean, constantly I'm asking myself, uh, how do I write a better story? And I learned that from one of my adult children who we were on a vacation together and there was something he, I don't even remember what it was we were gonna do. And I was like, nah, nah, I'm not gonna do it. And he said, seriously mom write a better story and i said what are you talking about he goes you know you're going to be really old and you're going to look back and you wrote this story and, and what you're writing is boring it's so boring so i started asking myself what's the better story and and it totally changed you know what kind of decisions i made the other thing that i have always done is i do the deathbed challenge And that's where, you know, you're looking at your life and how you're living it and you're going to make a choice, but it looks kind of risky, but it looks exciting too. And so you ask yourself, I'm laying on my dead deathbed and everybody's surrounding me. And I say to myself, I sure wish I hadn't taken that family vacation. Never. (laughs) So that's my deathbed challenge. I ask myself when I'm dying and I look back, am I going to be glad I did this? Or am I going to wish I didn't? Am I going to regret it? So um, to me, that's what outperforming is. Looking at your life and always writing a better story.
1: Always. Very interesting questions to ask. And I, I mean, when you're talking about this, I think I know what you're talking about. But you're obviously, you're not talking about literally writing a story, right? You're talking figuratively speaking, as far as the narratives and the stories that we tell ourselves in our head.
0: Well, I'm talking about the story that your life becomes when you're gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm talking about everybody's life is a story. Yeah. yeah. And you're writing it by the choices you make.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And at the end of the day, at the end of the life, you look back and that's the story of your life and how you lived it is what your story is and the choices you made. So when I'm making a decision, I ask myself, what's a better story? Because I'm the one writing my story.
1: I could go so many different directions with this right now. But before I do, this is getting deep in a hurry. And and I actually love it because I think these are important outperforming questions for us all to ask ourselves. Why don't you tell the audience and the listeners just a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do?
0: all right all right i'll just i'll give it in the in the priority area i'm a wife mm-hmm. uh, i've married uh about thirty four years to the same guy uh, <laughs> i'm a mom of- Thank you. I know that's like, uh, that right there is so rare in our culture. And I'm really grateful. It didn't, you know, it came with a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but I'm happy to be where I am with this man. Uh, I'm the mother of five adult children. So I raised five children. They were all redheaded. They were called the redheaded army. So in our town, but that's a little chaotic there. And any mom who has one or two kids or husband, you know, dads, you know, five kids is like a little crazy crazyville after three. Um, and then I am also a holistic doctor. My degree is in chiropractic, but I do holistic chiropractic. So I do nutrition, I do body work, I do adjusting and I do emotional release, which is something I developed called emotional clarity technique. So that makes me a holistic doctor. I still maintain a practice, although it's part time at this point. Um, so that i can do be the ceo of my other business which is a school called eptworks.com so those are the titles that i have that's what i do uh, that's what i'm all about that's what my life is
1: eptworks.com is that correct okay so what does ept stand for
0: emotional polarity technique
1: okay can you go a little bit more into, you know, holistic is obviously a very uh, kind of general term. So can you talk more about the specific ways that you help people emotionally and what it is that you do?
0: Yeah. So what, um, whole, holistic means is it means that you're looking at somebody from their whole life perspective. So you're looking at them, not just who they are sitting in front of you, but, you know, who were they when their dad was beating their mom when they were five. Like that's all in there. That's like the holistic perspective. Not only that, but you're talking about, you know, what kind of food they eat, what kind of food they consumed when they grew up, if they were in, a, in an environment where there were smokers. I mean, everything is affecting, you know, what we're experiencing. And a lot of it, we don't even, you know, it just happens. And it's what, how we respond to that is what changes what our experience is. Because we don't always have control, I mean, especially if you're a little kid, you know, I do have control over my dad beating my mom or my parents smoking like crazy in the house so that I'm getting, you know, toxic as a child. I have no control over that. But once I get older and I'm free and as an adult, you certainly have the power to, to define how you're going to respond to what your life has delivered to you that you didn't have control over. So to me, that's the holistic approach. So I get, over the years, I get in my private practice, and I've been in private practice about 34 years, um, I get people who are, you know, desperate. It's just unbelievably desperate. And, you know, I'm a chiropractor. I love chiropractic. and And when I figured out that adjusting people didn't fix everything, it was devastating to me. And these people were coming to me having already done medical, already done all the traditional roots, done the drugs, done the surgeries, and in pain or having these horrendous life problems. And, you know, in that moment, I, you know, I really was so, uh, you know, it was my passion to change their lives. And so I started learning more about that connection of the mind and the body And how emotional conflicts from our childhood equal disease, pain, unhealed things in our life, not just physical, but in our relationship, things that you fail to resolve as a child. And even later, um, when you're a young adult, it always equals something terrible in your life later. It doesn't just end. It doesn't like, you know, I bury this. I can't figure out how to fix the fact that my dad died when I was seven. So I'll just forget about it and it won't affect me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you end up with a child that dies when he's seven. And all of a sudden you're a, you know, you're a freaking mess. Not that it, it would make you a mess to have a child die, but it cannot destroy your life. Because, you know, thousands of people have lost children and they keep going. So it's that ability to move forward in spite of the unresolved conflicts. Um, But more than that, because most people, in spite of, uh, you know, I say that a little loosely, what I really mean is you have to find a way to resolve what has been unresolved. And forgiveness is the fastest, most efficient, most amazing way to resolve what you are hung up on. It's just a matter of, do I know how to do that with forgiveness? And that's what I learned to do. That is what I developed. And, it, and it, it, it actually, you know, blew my mind. This was in the early 90s, and nobody was doing that. And I felt kind of ridiculous walking people through forgiveness statements. I mean, literally, I need you to say this. You know, I'm sitting there, I'm a chiropractor, and they're, they're sitting in front of me with pain, and I say, I need you to say, I forgive my dad for not showing up for me when I was five. Mm-hmm. And they'd break down and start crying in my office, which was also a little weird. I didn't really know what that was about. I just thought I'd have them say this forgiveness statement and it would work. But instead, they would have a catharsis. And, and then they'd be, they'd be like, the pain's gone, and I never touched them. So that was where it kind of it began. And then I developed... EPT which stands for emotional polarity technique at the time my husband and I joked because they said people were calling me the forgiveness doctor Mm because they'd come and like with all these problems and they knew I was going to make them forgive (laughs) I'm gonna make you forgive that's what you're going to do and um, (laughs) I mean I joked about it because it was never what I thought I was going to do and my husband and I laughed because we said we got to give this thing a name whatever it is you're doing with forgiveness So I called it emotional polarity technique and it was, the letters were EPT, which a lot of people your age don't know this, but there was a pregnancy test. The first one was called EPT early pregnancy test. And I pretty much with five kids had stock in that company. (laughs) So that was part of our joke about naming it EPT. Uh, I had no idea it would stick around forever and that I'd end up teaching it to other people. I, I, I never foresaw
1: any of that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I probably gave you a whole lot more there than you expect.
1: That actually gives a lot of good background. And again, I could go a lot of different directions here. But first and foremost, I am a huge believer in we, we all have unresolved conflict. And I, I think we're all holding on to that to some degree. And I think to be our best selves, we have to find a way to release that and move past it. What are the specific mental, physical, emotional ways that unresolved conflict can show up in our adult lives?
0: Wow. Okay. Um,
1: If you were to just give some examples, because I am uh, always interested. um,
0: Repeated divorce. That is the result of an unresolved conflict in your childhood. Okay. Um, Cancer. Cancer.
1: Okay. Okay
0: is is so often the result of an unresolved conflict mm-hmm. in your life, in your childhood. I'll tell you, here's a really cool fact about cancer. This is from science, from the medical profession when they've studied cancer. And one of the things they know is that if you are so sick that you um, get cancer as an adult, if you are a person who had a parent or a significant Uh, child care provide like a grandparent significant adult in your life who died whether it was cancer or not before you're an adult while you're while they're caring for you in other words if you're a person who lost a parent or grandparent in childhood if you get cancer as an adult it doesn't mean that's going to equal it just means you're in the fight for your life because people who die are in that category So everybody who gets cancer doesn't die. Mm -hmm. In fact, most people who get cancer survive no matter what they do. Most people survive. But the ones, like in scientific studies, the ones who are more likely to die, who have the hardest struggle to survive, are the ones, not the ones who are so unhealthy and eat crap. It's Mm -hmm. the ones lost a parent or a grandparent who cared for them in childhood
1: is this just about losing a parent or are there other i mean you use the term like you just put it out there my dad beating my mom um things like that (laughs) are there other things that in addition to because i didn't lose a parent when i was young and thankfully i I, my father never beat my mother uh But are there other things that could potentially happen that would show up the same way as far as loss that could lead to cancer, disease, pain, some of those different things?
0: Uh, Yes. Um, uh, Something like, um, let me give an example. Uh, You mean in childhood in particular?
1: Yeah, and I guess what I'm also also curious about is, is there a specific age range? Like, up to this age, if you lose a parent or if you have a very traumatic event that happens in your early life, it's probably going to affect you so much more than if it happened, I don't know, after the age of 8 or 10 or 12 or whatever it might be. Like, is there a definitive kind of cutoff?
0: Uh, Well, they're going to – it's – no, there is no cutoff. It's just that what happens is you have these conflicts in childhood. I mean, a conflict can be something as simple as I'm three years old and I am I am the first child in this family. And so I hung the moon. I am the best thing since sliced bread. They all go crazy over me. And then I have a baby brother that's born. Mm-hmm. And everybody has to spend time taking care of the baby brother. And because I've led this little narcissistic life, I have issues with my brother. And so I've got a conflict because even though I love my brother, I'm also extremely jealous. And I have to I either act that out as a kid and I'm mean to him and I punch him. Mm-hmm. And then I grow up and I've got issues that actually play out then with maybe my son or my wife so it doesn't, you know, conflicts don't have to be, I mean, the big bad things like my parents got divorced or I was raised by my grandmother or uh, my my dad died in a car accident when I was seven and we had the best family ever. It can be a person who, um, you know, goes to, has a memory at age five, afraid to go to kindergarten and they have a memory. They remember being afraid to ask to go to the bathroom and sitting in a pool of pee at their desk. And they look back and they go, it's so silly. It's so cute, but it's not so much to them. It's as horrible as anything in their memory bank. Mm -hmm. So there's this, that moment or that memory that is unresolved. In other words, you know, I, I, I never knew what to do as a five-year-old if I wet my pants in school and everybody laughed at me. I didn't have the skills or the coping mechanisms to handle that. So I just kind of forget about it. But then later, I'm in college and somebody is, um, you know, joking with me. You know, just joking about something and about me and my body, you know, and it's in the dorm and I'm freaking out. And I'm yelling at them, and I can't have a friendship worth a darn. And it's stupid because it's just something I never resolved when I was five. I never forgave myself mm-hmm. for that situation. And ultimately, it's not just I forgive myself for peeing in a, you know, when I was five and, and not knowing what to do about it. It's, you know, you need to forgive yourself for what you decided to believe that no longer serves you. So when a trauma like that happens, you you believe things. All of a sudden, I believe um, people are mean. People are going to take advantage of me. People hate me. I'm an idiot. I'll never be good enough because I peed my pants and didn't know what to do about it. So the real layer of forgiveness comes when you can forgive yourself for what you decided to believe that made sense at age five. But it just doesn't work for your life now.
1: I'm curious in the evolution of what it is that you do, especially if you have a background in chiropractic. Like, I'm going to come into you because I have low back pain, let's say. Traditional chiropractic is, I'm going to put you on the table, maybe I'll crack your back, I'll crack your neck, and hopefully that'll take you out of pain and you'll go. How did you start to tap into forgiveness and the emotional part of like this is the missing link and this is really the reason that a lot of people are in pain how did that happen
0: you know i i like to think i'm a really great chiropractor and i can help people get out of pain doing chiropractic and i love chiropractic i would get people who I had to adjust over and over and over, you know? And you know those people. I go to my chiropractor every week for the same pain.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't take drugs, so I'm good. And you know what? I would prefer that myself. If I had to go every week, that'd be better than drugs in my opinion. Um, So I'm doing this and there's this lack of fulfillment in me as a chiropractor because I would like for people to like go to the next level. And they didn't always. But mm-hmm. they thought I was awesome. You know, they thought I was awesome. But there was something in me that said, they they should be better than I'm getting them. What, what's gonna make that difference? And um, the first training I took was with uh, Scott Walker, who's also a chiropractor. And I heard him speak about the connection between mind and body. And he was doing something way before EFT, which is tapping, you know, everybody knows about tapping. Yep. Uh, and actually EFT and Gary Craig started, hap- he and I were doing our own development at the same time. He's just a whole lot older than me. Mm-hmm. So we've done That's- it as long as EFT, which is kind of interesting. Um, but Scott Walker, I listened to him, and he was showing me ways a chiropractor would help change or cut that circuit off that, so that it didn't replay. But I would have people, and then they were coming in, and they'd have to have NET, <clears throat> neuroemotional technique. They would want me to do that every week. Like, oh, the pain, it went away, but now it's back again. So I felt like I was still in the cycle of, I'm the big aspirin. And you come to get the relief, but then you have to come back over and over. And as much as, you know, my, my patients loved me and they thought this was great and I was this miracle worker, but I was going home and I didn't like it. I wanted them to come, you know, to say, I don't need to come see you for that pain anymore. It's gone. So I found myself just, it was just sitting in my office with somebody one day was in this position and I said let's do some forgiveness can you just say you know I'm gonna have you say I forgive myself for believing this pain is never gonna go away just say that you know and I forgive myself it for believing it's never going to get better and then I had him breathe and I held a couple points it was very basic and I had people falling apart and crying And, you know, and, or I forgive my dad for um, what he did that really broke my heart when I was five. I forgive myself for believing I'll never get over that. I'll always have a broken heart. I was just kind of winging it on forgiveness till I kind of created a model that I could follow. So I knew where I was and where I was going and people were just getting better. I mean, they didn't have to get um, 50 million adjustments. They would come in instead of every week, they were, they might come in every six months because they did something, you know, and not be, but then they'd get adjusted, I wouldn't see them. It was like, it was fantastic. Not only that, but their lives were getting better, their relationships were getting better. And that's when they started jokingly calling me the forgiveness doctor. You need to go to her. She's the forgiveness doctor. And, um, you know, yeah, I, uh, there's so many jokes. I, I live in a little town and, uh, and even in the area, a lot of chiropractors were coming to see me and sending their family members
1: uh-huh. for the
0: for forgiveness. You know, and there was this joke. I, I would say, yeah, I'm the high priestess of forgiveness. You came to, uh, find out what it is you need to forgive, but I can nail it really quickly. And, and people, they, they usually will look at me and say, I, I didn't even, you know what you are spot on, but I would never come up with that on my own.
1: So for the the people out there that are listening, uh, how do they begin to nail their own forgiveness and what they need to be forgiven for? How can they do that?
0: So I, you know, that's a question I get a lot because I train people to do what I do. And when I'm doing what I do, a lot of people think that I'm just doing, you know, like I just, I joke, I just pulled it out of my butt, you know, no. Or, you know, oh, I'm just psychic, you know, I just had this in tune thing. But there was an actual process that was in my head. And and that's what I actually teach students. And I'll tell you the key to knowing, because even when somebody's observing me, they'll say, how did you get that statement how did you know that mm-hmm. but most of what I know it's a process I'm going through in my head so here's the process you want to ask yourself you look at the big traumas in your life like maybe you did have um, parents who fought and who were um, you know it was just hard in that family um, and then you you ask yourself what would I decide to believe if that's what my life was like, what would I believe that isn't actually true? Mm -hmm. So um, I might decide to believe my parents don't love me or that I was never wanted or that it's all my fault. Um, I might believe that, you know, a a person who maybe um, is in a car wreck as a kid and gets, you know, their dad dies, but they live. They might believe that uh, it would have been better if they would have died. Mm-hmm. So you ask yourself: that's the question that really gets you where you need to go for forgiveness. You're looking for what I am operating out of set of a beliefs, and that's what decides what I choose is what I believe. So if I'm believing that I'm not good enough even when i attempt to outperform
1: mm-hmm.
0: i'm always going to go below the line because i'm only going to achieve as high as my beliefs i'm going to meet i'm going to live up to my own beliefs so the key i think the the golden forgiveness is using forgiveness to forgive yourself for what you believed or what you believe right now that just doesn't serve your life. You know, believing that I'll never get off of drugs and I'm always gonna be an addict, and they're the only source I have that that understands me, believing that is not gonna ever make the change in my life. It will keep me right where I am.
1: So after you've identified that belief that you have, is it just as simple as after that saying, I forgive myself for believing this thing? Yes. Is it just, is it, is it as simple as just saying that?
0: Simple as that. Um, I would say to people, here's the thing. When you start messing with beliefs with people, the first emotion that comes up is fear because you're actually jagging with their status quo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, the if I could create a visual of when I'm working with someone, I'm actually like, I, I feel like I'm walking right into their brain and I'm looking around at the things they're not, that they've got walled off. And I'm opening doors and I'm looking in and I'm like, oh, what about this? And then I start to say, I forgive my, I need you to say, I forgive myself for believing that all men beat women, you know, and okay. that would be... a A woman who grew up with a dad who was a beater. And then she married three men who beat her. her, And then she has an 18-year-old son who is now beating her. That's actually a client I had. So, and and for her to say, I forgive myself for believing that all men uh, beat women, she looked right at me and said, they do. (laughs) She really... But we do that at every level in our lives. You know, I forgive myself for believing there's not enough money for me. Mm-hmm. Really? really? We live in the richest country, richest country in the world and there's not enough money for you? Really? There's not enough love for me. That's a belief. Mm-hmm. And so, so, I mean, the lady with the beating, you know, being beat, we're all going, what? You, you really believe that all men beat? But that's her experience. So mm-hmm. there are conflicts, so unresolved that then we give it meaning, I create a meaning which is based on the belief that I create, out of what happened to me. And so then I, forgive- yeah. I forgive yeah. myself for believing I'm not good enough. Okay. I forgive the people in my life who hurt me and beat me down and led me to that lie. I forgive them for what they did. I forgive myself for every time I did that to somebody else and made them feel less than. So it is not simple.
1: And after you've forgiven yourself for something like that, I mean, is it just an instantaneous fix? Or is there, I mean, because I find this interesting. I I really do truly believe that self-awareness is one of the greatest skills that all of us can have. Like, why do we do what we do? And I mean, the more research that I do on it, the more you realize that so many of the things that we do now were set in motion by things that we had no control over that happened to us early on. So is there any additional kind of upkeep or, or kind of checking back on these things just to make sure that you're not slipping back into your old patterns or beliefs? Or do you find that once people just take that giant step and open up that wall that has been closed off for so long that they're basically a new person or kind of on the other side of it? What's your experience been?
0: My experience has been they're new people. New people. It is a total transformation. They go from basically i I say when you have unresolved conflicts that are now affecting you to keep you from moving forward so there's a wall in front of you and you feel like no matter what you do what you do what you do you can't outperform you can't get past this wall and everything you do gets you right back at the same place once you forgive you identify what is the conflict that got me to this wall you get past that conflict and you end up in acceptance so You know, I'll go into another thing I love. There's seven stages of healing and or set. And this can apply to anything. Seven stages to success. You know, Um, there is denial. You know what? Uh, I don't have to do anything. And I'm just, it's going to land in my lap. That's denial about success. And then the second thing is anger. Well, now I'm really pissed because that person, they do nothing and they get all the money. They get all the followers. They get all the success. And I'm angry because, you know, nobody helped me. Nobody helped me. And I didn't get what they got. And why am I not just getting success? And then after anger is bargain, where you start to become a little more aware and you go, you know what? Maybe I need to work. Maybe I need to take some classes. Maybe I need to read some books. Maybe I need to call out to God. Maybe I need to do something differently than I ever did so I can get a different result. So then I start going crazy. Do, 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 do. But I'm still holding the conflict because I haven't resolved it. And then I end up in depression because no matter what I do, it still didn't work for me because I'm in depression. After depression, that goes, depression leaves when I resolve the conflict. And that's what you're talking about. Is it instantaneous? As soon as you lift that wall because you forgive the conflict that holds you at the wall and doesn't allow all your actions to get you what it gets everybody else. Then you're in acceptance. Once you're in acceptance, you're like, oh, I get it. And then you move to creation. So you're still doing, maybe doing some EPT. You're going, there's something else that came up for me. I know that you start to see where you're blocked. And you're like, there's something, there's a conflict. And if I can just forgive it, identify it and forgive it, I'll move forward. So after acceptance is where people are still doing some work but they're over, their whole body feels free, their health is better, they're already doing better and their ability to take action just escalates. Then they're in light emerging, which I like to call let go and let God. That's where, you know what, I'm still doing and I lo- I'm doing what I do out of love and not out of get me the hell out of the past. Because oh. some people, yeah. are. Just, I'm taking action because I want to get out of there. Instead of I'm taking action because I can't do life any other way. I love my story and I want my story to be fantastic. So I'm taking action out of love. And in doing that, it's like having a baby. It's like you're in transition in labor. Some days you feel like you're going to die. But other days you look around and the right person shows up and you didn't even try. And you're thinking, this is crazy. Like everything's falling in my lap, even though I'm not hardly trying anymore. I've done it, and it's just happening, and I can't stop it. And after light emerging is creation of new life, where you turn around, and that's what you're talking about. I'm really repositioned, and I'm never ever going back to where I was. That would be like going to the reference section in the library after you see the internet. You're yeah. never going to do that. You're <laughs> never going to do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Good. Good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope that the listeners do something with what you've said, because I get how uncomfortable you're the first person I've had on the podcast that has talked about something like this. And I understand how uncomfortable and how difficult this may be for some people because you're revisiting what can really be potentially traumatic and difficult situations that you had when you were growing up. And. I've had them. Everybody has had them. But to be able to go back there is takes a little bit of courage. And um, if people are willing to do it, I know that they're going to find something on the better uh, – on the other side of that. And so they're really going to help them unlock their ability to outperform.
0: Well, and the courage, you know, I really don't think you ought to go there on your own.
1: Yeah.
0: and And, you know, the courage is – uh, I think people avoid going there because we've had traditional therapy and traditional therapy is like, it's like a crock pot. It could take you years and it's kind of agonizing. So what I have heard from people who come to me who've had traditional therapy in attempts to resolve and heal those things they know are in the past, they will say, what you do moves me forward so quickly, and I know that I'm going to have a resolution when I come in there. I don't have to talk about it forever and ever, and hope that just talking about it is going to make it go away. You actually pull it out, we forgive it, and I move on, and I feel the difference. So it's a completely different approach in emotional health care, doing this this way.
1: So what you is is what you do different just by forcing people to identify their belief and, and forcing them to forgive themselves for it. Is that what makes it different than what you talk about with traditional therapy where maybe it's just more of talking it out or help me to understand what that difference is?
0: So what makes it different it, different is a person comes to me and I, I want to know what is it you want? And they'll and they'll tell me, well, my my relationship with my husband is awful and I'd like to stay, but you know, I've already had two divorces and I don't want this. And so here's they will tell me what's presenting in my life right now that is agony. It might be I got a little back pain and nobody's helping me, and I've been to chiropractors and I've been to physiotherapists, nobody's helping me. So I take the thing that is presenting right now in their life that they don't like, and then I use their body to read or to identify. They don't tell me, oh, here's what happened. In like a minute or less, I basically say, all right, I want you to think about that back pain. And they'll think about it. And I'm, I use muscle testing to basically find what resonates with the body and what doesn't. And so I will say, okay, as in, a, in a minute and a half, I can tell them. This is from age six and it's your dad's anger with your mom. Do you know what that is about? And they look at me because they know what it's about. I don't know what it's about. I just know that's the memory. We, that's the door we got to go in. So they will say, well, yeah, yeah, I know what it's about. But, but what's that got to do with my low back pain? And so I make the connections. I connect the dots so that before we're done they completely understand how the low back pain is related to dad and mom dad yelling at mom being angry at mom when i'm 7 years old or whatever mm-hmm. so i do that they don't have to do that so it's a very solution based type of therapy and and it's and it's fast and the other thing is it's collaborative so it's not one of those magical techniques where let me tap okay boom 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 boom." you don't have to understand anything and you're done right Mm -hmm. which is a great reliever i'm not gonna like put down eft because it's a great baby steps in but at the end of the day it's really hard to get the deep stuff with eft and the mind that created or created the false beliefs or the limiting beliefs out of the trauma of my childhood is not likely to let it go without somebody intervening. Like you can't create something that, you know, you can't, if I created the, the coping mechanism for the trauma, my brain created that, then it's not, it doesn't necessarily want to give me that information personally and let it go. It will give it, I can find it, but you're going to have trouble finding it because you know what you know.
1: So uh, let me ask you one more question about this because I sense that there may be some listeners out there that are saying, uh, because I'm guessing that this can help everyone on some level, correct?
0: Absolutely. Even because- children.
1: Right, and and so I want to ask this question because I'm sure there are listeners out there that are saying, "Well, my dad didn't beat my mom. I didn't lose a parent when I was young. I didn't. I don't have any memories of wedding myself, and you know, having to go back there." Like, I mean, just to name a few that you've said. What? So how can this still potentially help them? And what advice would you give them for them being able to tap into maybe forgiveness of some kind of something that they don't aren't necessarily identifying as traumatic but it would still actually help them reach a new level of performance
0: right so they want to ask themselves is the way think about how they feel you know like let's say something's not working out in their business and it's not working out and it's not working it out out and they're very frustrated they want to ask themselves you know think about how they feel i'm really frustrated i'm angry and then ask themselves why am i frustrated and angry in this business and why this isn't working out so you ask yourself that question and then you want to ask yourself is is there is this the first time in my life that i have felt this way for this reason mm-hmm. so maybe i'm angry because I'm at work, maybe let's say it's not even in your business, it's at work. I'm angry because my boss is a jerk and I'm, I'm re- it's really getting to me and I'm just, I want him to go away. I hate it. I'm, I'm miserable. I feel limited. So you ask yourself, this is, you tell yourself, how do I feel? You tell your, you just describe how you feel to yourself. And then you ask yourself the question, is it possible that I have had this feeling before? And if I had this feeling before, when was it? And you just go through your life, go, was it when I was five or six? Um, What kind of bosses have I had in my life? My mom was my boss. Was she a raving lunatic? Maybe. Um, That's pretty often when somebody can't handle a boss. It goes back to mom or dad. Who Mm -hmm. was your first boss? That was your first boss. So people get so stuck on now it's my boss. No, it's my boss. That they completely forget that, you know, you were powerless at age seven when your mom bossed you around and made you clean the room and you never could get it right and you were never good enough and she'd come in and point out everything you did wrong. She was your boss. But you're not thinking about that when you're 45 years old and there's a CEO, a boss who's, who's a jerk and you can't get out of it. You don't realize, I now feel like a seven-year-old in front of this person. So I'm kind of in a post-trauma because I can't really show up with all my gifts and talents because this person opens up that file in my head where I was seven and my mom ordered me around and she was the worst boss I ever had. So I show up like a seven year old.
1: It's I, I find this so interesting. It it I just I am so fascinated in what it is that you're talking about. And I think it has so much application. So we could go all day but If anyone would like to learn a little bit more about you, what it is that you do, perhaps connect with you, what is the best place for them to be able to do that?
0: Uh, The best place to do that would be eptworks.com. And uh, there's links to my podcast on there. And there are, uh, actually, if you opt in on that, you can get the, you can get a free download of The Forgiveness Doctor.
1: Oh, so, that's, that's your book on Amazon, correct?
0: Right. right. I have a book okay. on Amazon, you know, that you can buy, but if you want to get it for free, you can get it on my website.
1: Okay. eptworks.com? That's correct.
0: Okay. Yep. Awesome. And I have a whole, I have a whole army of people that, you know, if, I could refer you to somebody if you want to get it done.
1: Sure. Are there any other words of wisdom that you'd like to leave with the audience before we sign off?
0: Ah, <sighs> words of Wisdom. This is Any what. Last words. You know what? This is what um, I have learned over the years. Um, well, there are always going to be obstacles. There is no point in life where you you don't have a challenge or an obstacle. And here's what I believe about obstacles: that if you have obstacles showing up in your life, it's you need to say to yourself, instead of you know, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Why is it always? Why do I get blocked? I want all those blocks to go away. What you need to do is you need to realize that there's something bigger operating in your life, and you have asked for something really great, either healing or a business or a marriage or relationship. You've asked for something really great, and you know the larger view of life. And you know I'm going to say the G word, God. You know that overarching story. You have to deal with the consequence to learn a lesson before you can even handle what you're asking for. So when that obstacle comes, you want to say to yourself, oh, what I've asked for is about to arrive, but I've got to learn something before I could even handle it. Because if I get my hands on it now, it's not going to be pretty. But something bigger than me knows that I want this delivered, that it's going to be delivered. And something bigger than me wants to give me everything, but." This obstacle is there showing me that something larger is looking after me to make sure that whatever it is I have to learn to get my hands on that thing that I'm wanting, that I learn that lesson.
1: So there. Excellent words of wisdom. Annette. I want to thank you for your time and on behalf of all of the listeners and viewers out there, uh, you provided a ton of value here today and everything that you talked about with forgiveness. Again, I'm such a believer. I hope people take your words to heart Um, and thank you very much for being on the Outperform podcast. We appreciate it.
0: Thank you for doing it. You were great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And to you out there, keep outperforming and as always, wishing you the best of health, happiness and high performance. Have a great day hello outperformers three more quick things before we sign off here today first and foremost thank you so much for listening to this episode i understand how many different podcasts are out there and i do not take a single second of your time for granted because time is truly our most valuable asset it is our most precious commodity and i appreciate you taking that time and you spending it with us here today. Second, if you found value in this podcast, maybe you've noticed but podcasting has gotten quite popular as of late and if you would like to help support the outperforming movement and the outperform podcast one of the best ways that we can get it found is for you to give it a favorable review and rating on whatever your favorite podcasting platform happens to be so head on over to itunes head on over to google play and give it a favorable review And while you do that, also share it with someone else that you know that is just like you, is driven by growth and wanting to be the best personally and professionally in every single thing that they do. Number three, if you want even more, tools, and tips, and strategies to be able to be your best personally and professionally, head on over to Scottwelly.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. There are loads of different resources for you on everything from goal setting and grit, to resiliency and focus, to confidence and motivation and routines and habits and everything that you can possibly imagine to help you be your absolute best every single day, personally and professionally. Once again, if you'd like to access those free resources, head on over to scottwelly.com. S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. So as I sign off, thank you again for spending your time with me here today. Keep outperforming and as always, wish you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day.